Hey everyone, it's Irina from The Family, where we support ambitious startups from all around Europe with education, resources, and access to capital. When you're starting out, no one knows you, yet you have to convince your customers, employees, investors to believe in you. Everyone's expecting you to step up or fail. So how do you build trust? Meet an entrepreneur who's cracked this problem in one of the toughest industries to start with, health. Dr. Sophie Chung is the CEO and founder of Cuno Medical, a digital health platform that is providing patients worldwide access to high-quality, affordable healthcare. In this talk, she shares the story and the mindset it required her to grow her startup from 0 to 4,000 patients per month across 25 countries. The secret to their early success? Customer care. It's that simple. From day one, her approach was to move slow to move fast. And when you're small, you can afford to be true to your mission every step of the way. Cuna Medical limited their offer to ensure they were providing the highest quality possible. Here is Sophie sharing how to build trust when you're nobody. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. Thank you for spending your lunch break with me. I very much appreciate this. Uh, my name is Sophie, and um, I'm the founder and CEO of a company that is called uh, Cuno Medical. So what does it do? We are in the medical tourism space. So what is medical tourism? Medical tourism is when somebody travels abroad uh, for the primary purpose of um, getting treatment. So we are a global curated marketplace that helps patients from all around the world find medical procedures abroad. Um, we are present in over 25 countries with um, doctors and hospitals we work with, um, with over um, a thousand doctors. We currently cater for over 4,000 um, patients a month um, and we get amazing reviews, of course. Um, so why would a patient uh, want to use us? Um, and I like to explain it with how I call it the trifecta of healthcare problems. It's uh, lower cost or high cost, uh, the problems, uh, better, um, lower quality and, and, and uh, high wait times. So oftentimes people um, in, in very different healthcare systems face different problems. A lot of times people actually deter or defer healthcare because they frankly can't afford it. In the US, for example, did you know that over 100 million patients per year are actually not going to see a doctor because they're afraid of, 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 of going actually uh, of actually going bankrupt um, a lot of patients don't trust their healthcare problems uh, their healthcare um, systems and they are looking for better surgeons and better doctors abroad if they have um, if they have certain medical conditions and oftentimes patients have to wait for a very long time to get treatment in the UK for example the average wait time to get a hip replacement is 100 days and that's just the average it's three months and oftentimes you see systems NHS systems local ones um, where patients have to wait uh, for up to over a year and this is where we come in um, we cater to those problems. Um, we help patients find um, lower cost procedures abroad if they run out of local options. Um, we help patients find higher quality medical care abroad if they can't find the right specialist um, within their vicinity. And also we help patients um, get into care faster if their local healthcare system is reaching its limitations. So what do our patients actually think we do? 
Um, they think we sit in fancy um, offices and negotiating contracts with hospitals and then um, offering them to uh, it to them. Um, what my mom thinks is that we save lives all the time. And uh, what we really do actually is um, we build trust. We, um, our customers are in their most vulnerable moment. They are sick. Um, they need help. They um, need a doctor. We um, attract them to our website. We make them believe what we have to say on there. We um, speak to them and we make them pick a doctor who they don't know in a different country and trust that this is a doctor who can help them. We make them book a plane ticket and go for a medical procedure for an average of two to 3,000 euros. We make them get on the plane into a country where they have probably never been before, um, where they don't speak the language, go to this doctor, get treated, come back and be happy. This is what we do. This is our product. We don't sell shoes, we sell trust and our product is full of trust. Now, thank you. <laughs> now, wha what does it mean, trust? So when you think about you know, who you trust most, hopefully it's you know, a bunch of friends and family. So what does it mean to trust somebody or to you know, earn somebody's trust? It's somebody who is there for you. It's somebody who doesn't lie to you. It's somebody who puts your interest over their own interest. There is a question? Oh, I see. Do you want to? OK. Um, so yeah, this is, so what we do is we try to take all those characteristics and package them in our product, in everything we do, so that those values are reflected in our doing, in um, our product, in our data, in the way we speak to them. So uh, what does it really mean? Our highest and um, most important company value is patients first, us second and me last. And those values to me are very important, especially when you have to make very difficult decisions. Those values are a given if you're doing well and if you know what you're doing. But in our case, for example, um, our service is completely free for the patient. The patient pays zero euros for the service that they consume throughout the time. The way we make money is from the doctors and providers. The doctors and hospitals pay a monthly listing fee to be listed on our website and they pay for the services we provide for them. Right? So oftentimes I sit there with my team and we discuss what's the next feature that we're going to build. And um, it's really, really hard if you're not clear on the value, if you're not clear who your primary customer is, because there is a it, it's very tempting to think about what the doctor wants uh, and what the hospitals wants and uh, what the health insurances want. It's really, really tempting because this is where the money comes from. But what we must not forget um, is that without patients, we wouldn't have a business. Without patients, we wouldn't be solving a problem. And therefore, in those really, really hard discussions where we have to make hard decisions, oftentimes, it's very important to you know, know who we are designing for, who we are building for, who our first customer is, and who we put before our own interest. So really, it's patients first, us second, and me last. And we repeat that almost on a, a daily basis at Cuno Medical. Um, also, it's reflected in every decision we make. 
um, we are where the patient is. Um, our patients come from all uh, across the globe. They come from the US, from UK, from Ireland, from Australia, from Germany, from Austria. So really, we're covering all time zones. And we're having discussions on you know, when to, to, to be on the phone and when to answer the phones. And with patients first, the answer is very clear. We are where the patient is. So I oftentimes set my alarm for 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. in the morning because I have patients on the West Coast in the U.S. who want a call back after they leave work after 6 p.m. So we do that because we put patients first. Um, the second one is, is no mediocrity. We always give it our best. We are building a high-performance company culture, but we also want to be high-performing for our patients. We want to offer the best product there is for our patients. How, so how do we do that? Um, we, for example, have built um, a data-driven um, algorithm. Well, algorithms are mostly data-driven, I guess, which um, takes a lot of characteristics um, and scoring um, um, data points into account to find the best doctors out there. So we don't only make patients take our word for it. We actually have um, developed a data-driven approach. We look at international accreditations. We look at education levels of the doctors. We look at whether there are malpractice cases pending. We look at number of cases the doctors have uh, on a yearly basis. We look at public reviews, of, uh, of course, and we take patient-reported data, which is our own data, to actually feed into this algorithm and make this better. So just to give you um, uh, a quick example, out of 10,000 possible hospitals we could have worked with, 200 were shortlisted based on our qual uh, quality benchmark. And with around uh, 65 of them, we currently work. There is a question. So the question was, um, I just uh, mentioned a lot of data points and which ones uh, are the most important ones. Um, I have to say um, a couple, and it depends. It very much depends on the location and the country of where the doctor is. So I give you an example. So education of a doctor is less important in Germany because most medical schools are really good and most hospitals are really good. So a, a doctor from Germany is usually, um, the, the, the school usually doesn't determine the quality of, of the treatment or the doctor. When you go to India, for example, it makes a huge difference where the doctor studied and which um, which hospital they were actually trained in. So it depends, but on a very, very, very general level, um, it's experience, number of cases, number of years in practice. And also what we find is very strong is peer-to-peer um, -peer recommendation. So we ask other doctors who they would send their parents to or go, the, go to themselves. And this we find is a, is a very strong correlator. It's a correlation model, it's not a causality model. Make sense? Sure. Um, also, just uh, la last but not least, in terms of mediocrity, we are also really fast. Um, what pisses me off most is when I have to call a doctor's practice and I have to wait for 20 minutes uh, on the line and then I have to hear or learn that I have to wait another six weeks to get a doctor's appointment. Like, I'm sick now. I need a doctor now. And this is, this is kind of what we try to actually um, alleviate. If you really want, you can book an appointment within the next 24 hours. And what I mean by that is, if you really wanted to get on the plane right now, you can have an appointment tomorrow in Hungary or Poland or the US or wherever you want it um, with the doctor of your choice. And this is how fast we are. Um, last but not least, no bullshit. 
Patients call bullshit, your team will call bullshit, the public will do. We don't lie. We don't, if we don't know something, we say we don't know. If we uh, need to go back to speak to a different doctor or hospital, we will tell the patient, we'll say, you know, I don't have the answer for you right now, but I will get back to you. We will not push somebody to book a treatment or to purchase our product if we don't truly believe that this is the best for, for, for our customer. So we've had cases where we have consulted with our doctors and the doctors recommended not to go ahead with the treatment and we were the first to actually tell our patient to not do that. Sometimes this is not the answer they want to hear. Oftentimes it has to do with plastic surgery and we don't recommend to do something, but we stay true to ourselves and we don't lie to our patients. Um, and it's measurable. Um, who has heard of um, net promoter score? Who hasn't? Okay, so net promoter score or also called NPS, is a metric that has been defined and shows you how likely a customer is to recommend your product to another customer. I'm sure you all remember the emails you get, the feedback emails you get, and then there's a scale of how likely would you recommend our service to your friend, and then there's a scale from one to 10. This is, this is the net promoter score being measured. And uh, the scale goes from minus 100 to 100. Everything in the negatives actually shows that your customers uh, would actually um, tell other customers not to use your product and everything in the positives is actually recommendable. And when I started off and I knew um, the net promoter score uh, scale very well, um, my dream was to play in this league, but I would have never dreamed that we would reach that so far. And we measure this on a very regular basis. Um, we measure this on a weekly basis, we report this on a, on a monthly basis. And this is, this is something we are very proud of and this is something that doesn't come from nothing and um, in requires a lot of work in actually fine-tuning your messaging, fine-tuning your um, product, fine-tuning how you deal with difficult situations. Um, and I can only recommend to everybody who or anyone who is building a startup or building a company or building a brand, this is something you should be measuring from the very beginning. Um, all right. Yeah, sure. So the question was, the question was whether net promoter score is only supposed to be used for internal purposes. Um, now my contra question is, what do you mean by internal purposes? To improve yourself. Oh, okay, so, so the comment was whether it would make sense to also put that in, in, in front of the customers and actually make this very public. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think we, tr we should be as transparent as we can be and you know, the more data we can share and the more we can share about ourselves, um, the better it is. The way a lot of companies um, share this, because net promoter score is a concept that can be very complicated if somebody has never read about this or never really thought about this. So an easy way to go about it is to show the reviews, to show the stars, or to show a number that says X percent of patients would actually recommend your service. So I think there are different ways how to show that, but in general, yeah, definitely. So that comment was about um, that we should only do that if your score is good, or it depends on what your score is. I, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, th this is all about trust, right? And trust is also social proof and about what others have to say about you. But on the other hand, if your score is not good enough, you should really think about you know, why and what you can do to, to do it. And oftentimes it's not just one thing. Oftentimes a lot of things break along the whole customer journey. And I think a lot of people just really, really forget about the user experience at one time. Last but not least, who's building this? 
an incredibly good-looking, sexy team here in Berlin. We actually sit down the road here at uh, Chausseestrasse, so um, if you want to come by and grab a coffee, just let me know. Um, this is me. I'm a medical doctor by training, a licensed doctor. I uh, worked uh, for a management consulting company. This is when I joined the dark side. And then uh, I moved to New York and worked for another startup called ZocDoc, which is uh, one of the most successful digital health startups out there. Um, and I uh, moved back to Berlin two years ago to start Kuno Medical. Um, I did that with my co-founder, Gero, who was um, managing the German um, organization of Drivey, which is uh, an, an, an um, private online car sharing service. And before that, he worked for Google in London for, for six years. And then I have Sebastian, who I met at ZocDoc in New York, and I made him move to Berlin to build this company with me. And luckily, he said yes and uh, came with his whole family. And uh, then we have Ben, who is um, our, our tech nerd in residence, who we all um, dearly love, um, uh, but he is heading our engineering organization. And we do this together. We, sit, uh, we all sit in one room together. Um, yeah, and, and pushing the limits um, every day because... Um, this is really this is really what unites us on on my team, and um, I hope that you can join me on this movement of making healthcare more accessible. We, because I do fundamentally believe that every patient in this world deserves um, easy access to the best doctors, no matter who you are and no matter where you are. Thank you. <laughs> what is Kuna? Why is Kuna? Why Kuna? So. Um, it um, has a very nerdy explanation. It comes from the Latin word queriere, um, which is questioning or searching. And we wanted to take something and make it our own. Cuno is a word that doesn't exist, but it kind of has a root in something that is Latin and medical and speaks to the patient experience of finding the best doctor. And second question is, wh what about like translation? Like when people go to like another country, mm -hmm. how do you solve this? Like, yeah. So. Um, there are different ways. So sometimes the doctors abroad actually speaks the patient's language. So either it's English or we even have a lot of doctors abroad who speak German. If that's not the case, we have translators um, at the hospital um, on site to actually help the patient um, navigate their, their journey. That's actually one of the criteria we take into account when we actually do the, um, the, the quality assessment through our algorithm on, on how well they are set up for international patients. Mm -hmm. And do you calculate like uh, all the costs, like travel costs, everything like translation, everything for the patient, right? Almost everything. So we do everything except the flight. So we mm. book hotel, we book transportation, we book, if you really wanted to, we book sightseeing if, um, if that's uh, necessary. Um, we book the whole medical procedure, really no hidden cost. So the price that a patient gets is a complete price um, from end to end. The only thing a patient has to do themselves right now is to book their own flight, just because our product is not far enough to have flight booking integrated and in, in what we do. My Hi. question is, so what were your earlier initiatives to get started? Like, how did you earn trust in the very, very beginning? Yeah. And what are some of the things that you're doing now since now you're presumably, you're, you know, already have return visitors, if you will? Definitely. So at the very beginning, we, before we launched our product, which you see on the website right now in a reduced form, we actually started with an MVP because we actually didn't know whether we can get over this trust issue. It's like, is, is somebody really going to book a treatment with us, which costs thousands of euros and have never seen us um, and has just communicated with us over the internet? And we didn't know, truly. So we built a very quick MVP. It was a, 
a, a flat website. Um, we put a little bit of money to buy traffic on there. We had a simple forum, we had a chat, um, and saw and kind of started you know, buying traffic on there and started to interact with those patients. And at the beginning, it was horrible. Nobody would pick up the phone. Nobody would call us back. People would be really mean to us. We would sit there for like days until somebody calls back and everybody was like, I want to pick up the phone and speak to this patient. But what we really learned was that there were a couple of things that were really, really important to our customers. And that was number one, like having answers. And what I mean by that is not having, you know, um, content-wise answers, but really if they asked, what's the price for this? We should have an idea of what the price should be. If they're going to ask, you know, is, is, is this going to take three days or two weeks, we should have a response for this. Also, a lot of patients would ask, what about a guarantee? Are you going to guarantee me that this is going to go well? And our answer until today is to say, no, we don't guarantee because this is healthcare and there is no guarantee in healthcare. And everybody who guarantees you a certain outcome in healthcare, you should not trust. Um, of course, we say this in a, in a nicer way, but like just being honest and really being on top of this. We would, you know, we would kill ourselves to actually get the, the response for the patients. And at the beginning, it was super hard. Um, you know, we now, like now our phone rings and patients actually call us back. And every time somebody calls me back, I'm like still so happy because in the earlier days, like nobody would call us back. Nobody would respond to an email. So really not giving up and really, you know, the three patients who are your first movers, this is your goal. This is what you need to get right. And then you build it out from there. So uh, yeah, thanks for your talk. Um, since the presentation was basically uh, how to build trust for, for someone that's nobody, mm -hmm. what's your three practical best tips uh, for nobody to build trust? Yeah, uh, three. So the first, yeah, the first one is don't compromise on quality um, for the sake of growth and speed. Um, and I think it was in the description of this talk, like my, my motto always was um, move, move slow to move fast, especially in an industry where you only have one shot, where you have huge fuck up potential and where you have to be very, very careful in terms of how you scale and what image do you actually portray to the outside. So it's okay to be slower at the beginning and it's okay to tell your investors, say, this is different, this is healthcare, this is a trust game. We really need to get this right. Like we don't have, if you sell shoes and you don't ship the right shoes, it's fine. Uh, you just, you know, give them a coupon and it's good. If you, you know, make a mistake here, nobody's going to, you know, book with you again and it will be, it, it will be dramatic. So I think the first thing is really to stay true to yourself and it's very tempting, especially when you raise funds that you want to grow faster and you want to hire more. But really, if, if you don't feel confident about your product and if you don't think that your product lives up to where it should be, stay there and improve it until you feel confident that you you would use this product like all the hospitals we offer on our website i would personally go i would personally send my family to this is how good it needs to be to be able to actually be willing to take the next step and to scale hi uh thank you for your speech um i believe that especially in health tech industry um the quality and trust in the service of the, let's say, the company in between patient and doctor is obviously uh, super important, but what is perhaps even more important is the trust and the quality of the service that the doctors provide. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, first of all, how you ensure this quality, and second of all, how you um, kind of translate it to the trust you build among your uh, patients or, or users. 
Yeah, so that's a really good question. When we work with a new doctor, we of course don't know this person, right? So all we can do is, so our first step is always taking a data-driven approach. So with the uh, what I found is with a data-driven approach, you can also already cut out a big chunk of the fat. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be very accurate about everything, but it already helps to narrow down your target group of doctors you want to work with. The second part is we actually go and speak to them. And I, I truly believe that if you know how doctors work and if you sit down and speak with a doctor, you get a good impression of how well the processes are, how he thinks about patients and you know um, financial incentives and things like this. Again, all correlation, no causality, but be very careful and be very diligent in how you, you, you choose your supply. And after that, we start working with them and we follow our patients very closely. We are in touch with our patients from the very beginning to the very end. And the very end ends when they're back home and they're done with, 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 with the surgery and, and healed. So we get instant feedback. We are on WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and chat with our patients all the time. We are the first the patients call if they're at the airport and they cannot find a driver. So we know pretty well you know, how well the doctors are doing, how well the operations in a specific country are, are going without actually being there. And we are very serious about delisting doctors and hospitals again. If we don't think that this doctor lives up to our high standards, they cannot be on our website. We have declined doctors and hospitals and we have delisted doctors and hospitals. So hi, hi. from hi. myself, thank you too. So uh, my question is, um, I think the most difficult part of your work has been in the beginning, just to set up this right database of doctors to work with. Uh, can you speak about it? how did you manage it? Because it's such a huge work, especially if you want to do it in many countries, several... Yeah. Um, That's actually a good question because that brings me to another point and which is, which is focus. We, of course, didn't start with 25 countries and um, you know a thousand doctors. We started with one origin country, which was the UK, and we looked at the market and we're thinking, where, where do the patients go from the UK? And then we picked two destination countries, which was... Uh, which were Turkey and Hungary. And this is what we started off with in our MVP and also when we launched. And from there, we, 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 um, we very slowly built this out. So um, really also, the, yeah, the, the, the thing is to not try to do everything at the same time and not to, to not you know, go too broad from the very beginning. I also said to my team at the very beginning, because when it started to be successful, people would go like, you know, what's the next, what's the next country? And what's the next treatment we we're going to offer? And where are we going to be? And my answer was, we're gonna, we're gonna do what we're doing right now, just bigger and better. And if we don't have a reason to add another country, we won't. Um, and that's kind of you know, where I think the quality also comes from, because I think it's much easier to be good at one thing than be good at many things at the same time. So I would rather be good at one small thing and really perfect this before I take on another, another adventure. Do you have now uh, the traction to get hospitals that immediately call you or doctors? Yes, definitely. And that's, that's also another kind of proof point which makes me very happy because at the beginning when we called all those top hospitals, they were like, fuck off, you, who are you? We don't want to work with you, right? And now they actually call us back and want to work with us, which is really, really great. Like, I'm so proud of that. And um, still, you know, we want to work with the best hospitals and there are still a couple out there who are quite difficult because they already say, oh, we work with so many already, but it's starting. And we see a lot of 
other doctors and hospitals actually inbound. So that means they've heard about us without, um, like we, we don't advertise to doctors or hospitals, um, not one single euro, but they inbound and they say, How, what do I have to do to be listed on, on your website? And um, we say, well, give us your data first um, and, then, and then we talk. But um, yeah, th the short answer is yes. At the beginning, nobody wanted to work with us and now they are all on our platform. Could you roughly explain the approach? How you uh, how do you measure the satisfaction level of your clients? So um, there are two ways. So we we do it in two ways. So there is the qualitative approach where we are in constant contact with our patients and get constant feedback of you know how they are doing. But also the data driven one. So after the treatment, we call them. Um, depending on the treatment, it's either on the same day or it's up to three days after the surgery. So if somebody has a big surgery, probably they don't want us to harass them while they're in the hospital. We ask them about you know how they're doing, how everything went. We send them a form and we ask them to fill this in. And a lot of patients actually do that. We ask them about the facility. We ask them about the doctor. We ask them about the service on, on Cuno Medical. We ask them about medical things such as pain levels and you know um, um, uh, the, like uh, appetite and things like this. Um, and we do that. Um, shortly after the, the treatment, so one to three days, we do that a week after, we do this a month after, we do this six months after, we do this 12 months after. So we have short-term data and we have long-term data to actually use that and feed this back into our algorithm. And thank you for your answer. Another question. Um, in terms of trust, could you advise uh, literature or books? Um, unfortunately not. <laughs> there is a good talk from one of the Airbnb founders, a TED talk that is called How to Design for Trust or Designing for Trust or something like this, which is a 10 minute talk and I very much enjoyed that. Um, but really I think the best way to go about this is com to come from your own reality, come from your own experience and think about you know, what, what needs to happen for you to trust somebody and not, not only a product on the internet, but what needs to happen for you to trust a person over the other. And try to transfer this into what you build and what you sell and what you say and how you how you behave i think you know books are great and unfortunately I d maybe there is a great book does anyone know a great book on, on trust okay no <laughs> so um yeah I, I unfortunately don't but i really think you know if you start a company this should be your your thing and you know your your personality and your your set of values should be reflected from there so i think you know coming from yourself and coming from the bottom of your heart and really what makes you passionate and how you think people should be treated in the world i think that's that's the best place to start with thank you so thank you for the talk um, you mentioned that you grew very slowly could you elaborate a little bit more on this, like how many transactions had you in the first month, in the second month, and mm -hmm. was it like the um, infamous hockey stick, or what were your goals uh, at this at the first time? So um, yes, well, I think um, you know in the first months when we launched, I think we got, and I must be lying, but probably got twenty requests per per week. So it was like two to three per day, and they would trickle in sometime between midnight and and eleven p.m. Um, and we would take them right away. And uh, you know now we have over two hundred requests coming in per day on average, 
um, and we have a team of you know a bunch of people taking those. And I think this is this is kind of where we are. We can we can do more if we wanted to, and that's always a question from investors like why why are you not doing more? Of course we can, but again my answer is we could, but then I couldn't ensure the quality of our service anymore. So I want to make sure our processes are in place. But it's really and in terms of hockey stick, I think you know at any given time um, in a successful startup when you take take out a cut, like a chunk of their timeline, you always see a hockey stick. But when you then put it onto like the, the full timeline, it looks very flat at the very beginning and it takes a long time to actually grow. And I think, you know, when you look at our numbers from this year, yes, it's going up very nicely, but I'm pretty sure we are still at the very beginning of the giant hockey stick that we're looking for. Um, thank you. In addition to your thought that um you get more requests than you can um, accept. Mm -hmm. Is there a waiting time uh, currently? For doctors to be, or for patients? For patients. No, patients, no waiting time. We ah. call patients back within five minutes. Sometimes during nighttime, it's uh, uh, after 20 minutes. But our SLAs are between five to 20 minutes. We pick up the phone immediately. We don't let patients wait. Like this is, this is the number one thing. I get very, I don't really get mad at many things, but every time I hear somebody let a patient wait because they were waiting for a response from the hospital or whatever, this, this is where, where I really jump in and uh, tell everybody it's not acceptable. Like the only thing that is not acceptable is letting patients wait and letting patients yeah, not receiving the answer they need. Thank you. You're welcome. Have you been inspired when you uh, got started uh, by like uh, other companies and by the your competitors? And yeah. Well, I've been inspired by my own frustration, and my own frustration was always the fact that I had to wait for a doctor's appointment for such a long time and that, you know, I never knew whether the doctor I was going to was a good doctor or not because I didn't get to choose the doctor. I could only take the doctor who had an open appointment because I was always on statutory health insurance. Um, and that was just something that really, really pissed me off. And when I started studying medicine, I learned how the good doctors are, but then I knew I was privileged and there are so many patients out there who are not. So really uh, my inspiration came from my own level of frustration that people in the most vulnerable moment are being left alone and being left alone with there are local possibilities of healthcare. And sometimes you're lucky. So when you're here in Germany in the big cities, you're probably lucky because healthcare is pretty good. But as soon as you go into the more rural areas, as soon as you go into other countries, like there is no reason to be limited with your healthcare choice by where you live. You know, you buy a plane ticket with you know, within a few seconds, um, you we buy our smartphones from China, we buy strawberries from Chile. Like, why shouldn't we go? abroad to see the right doctor if it's worth it. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. So I wasn't inspired by great stuff. I was really inspired by me being miserable every time I was sick. I mean, it's, gr it's great if the idea also comes from, from yourself, but like, I mean, beside it, I mean, like this, I've, I've seen like a documentary or something like on YouTube or TV about it. Um, so like for, for how long does uh, this like uh, medical uh, travel uh, feel like exist and like <laughs> it wh has which, been are, which are your biggest competitors like if yeah I think so I don't know when the first person started to 
travel for healthcare, but I know it's been around for a while and especially in, in less developed countries. So my parents are from Southeast Asia and I know that a lot of people travel to Thailand, to Malaysia, to Singapore if, if something is happening from, from less developed places. So I guess this has been around for a very long time. What has not been around for a very long time is though that it is being seen as an alternative to local options. So usually people run out of options or don't have local options at all. And then they think about traveling abroad. What I want people to do is I want them to consider this as an alternative to their local doctor. And I want them to be able to have make the choice and say, you know, am I going to go to this dentist and pay that much? Or am I going to go to that dentist and pay that much um, at the same level of quality? And if the patient decides to stay local, wonderful and great, but I want the patient to have the choice. And I think this is a very new concept. So we are in a market that is fairly immature. Yeah. <laughs>